Welcome to TLD Talks, where we share insights about key legal and business matters that are impacting SMEs today. Bringing together experts from a range of backgrounds, we'll be tackling the issues that matter to you. I'm Ed Simpson, CEO of The Legal Director, and I'm joined on today's podcast by one of our very experienced client legal directors, Jason Smalley, and one of our partners, Alistair Stewart from litigation practice, Loney Stewart Holland. And we're going to be having a chat today about managing disputes and in particular how using a general counsel as well as an expert litigator can help to manage disputes more efficiently and effectively, saving business directors time and money. So hello, Jason and Alistair. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Ed. Good to see you. Hello, Ed. Thanks very much for letting me join your podcast. For the benefit of the listeners, could I please ask you to introduce yourselves and your practices? Jason, if you could go first, please. Thanks, Ed. I am a solicitor and I've been in practice for nearly 30 years. I am what is known as a a general counsel, but I have a background in litigation, dealing with commercial disputes. And I've been with the legal director as a client legal director for nearly five years now. Thank you. And Alistair, if I could ask you to introduce yourself and Lonely Stewart Holland, please. Thank you, Ed. So I'm Alistair Stewart. I'm a founding partner at Lonely Stewart Holland, a specialist dispute resolution firm. We work predominantly with SME businesses and business owners to help solve legal problems that crop up from time to time. We work closely with the legal director on the rare occasions that your clients encounter a dispute and need some external help to sort that out. Fantastic. Thank you. So, Jason, I'd like to come to you first, please, with your general counsel's hat on. What's your role when your clients get involved in disputes? So I have a range of different clients in different sectors, different business areas. Um, And as a consequence, they have a variety of disputes. It could be relating to employees or with suppliers or with contractors. They bring me in as early as they can when they become aware of a dispute or the potential for dispute and ask for my initial advice on what they should do next. And at what point in that process in sort of when a, a dispute has first come to light would you think about getting somebody like Alistair involved? So after I've done the preliminary assessment of whatever the dispute might be about, and this could be a claim either against my client or a claim that, I, uh, that my client wants to bring against somebody else, I would triage that to the extent where I might be able to deal with it myself. But very occasionally, I will get a, uh, a dispute which is so large or complex that it requires a further set of hands and that's where I'd then contact either Alistair or uh, perhaps uh, external counsel in a barrister's chambers and particularly where the claim is getting very very large and complicated where a lot more lawyers are required that's where I find that Lonely Stuart Holland can provide me with the support that myself and my client will need. My role then slightly changes I try to still act as the conduit between Lonely Stuart Holland and the client a benefit which which my clients really appreciate. So Alistair, then coming to you, if I could sort of ask 
effectively the same question um, from your side of things. So I'm sure you will have matters where you're instructed directly by your client and others where there's an interface with a general counsel who may be employed or engaged on a part-time basis like Jason and the other client legal directors at TLD are. Could you talk a little bit about the differences that you see where you're, on the one hand, you're dealing directly, it might be with a finance director or a CEO, and on the other hand, with a general counsel like Jason? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the first thing I'd say is, Having general counsel involved in a business, I think, is a very effective insurance policy against ever needing to speak to anyone like me in the first place. Someone like Jason will help avoid disputes cropping up in the first place. And when they do, they're really good at triaging problems and either dealing with the majority of them themselves or knowing when to speak to someone like me. I think the proof's in the pudding, in a sense. The reality is that two-thirds of the time, one of your consultants contacts me. Really all that's needed is some initial input or a strategic steer. Basically, it's no-cost initial advice. In large part, I think that's because the consultant understands the legal issues and really understands the business, and so they can give me the information that I need in order to give some quick input on a situation rather than need to spend quite a bit of time guessing, getting to the root of the issues. Something I've heard from clients in the past, and Jason, maybe you could pick up on this one, is the point at which matter you're dealing with a dispute you're dealing with has got to the point where you think the best thing is to get Alistair involved and I'm the client in this situation and my thought is well I thought that's what you did Jason why am I now paying for two lawyers aren't I paying twice here that's a very good question Ed and it's a point that I'm occasionally asked by my clients the benefit I bring Having worked with a client for some time, as I understand the the people, the issues, their business, a lot more closely than, than Alistair would do coming in cold. And what I can do is I can very quickly and efficiently translate to Alistair what the issue is and the nature of the impact it's having on the business client and cut out a lot of the information gathering that Alistair would probably have to do and thereby reducing the time and the cost. Litigation predominantly is driven by time and cost. So wherever we can find a way of, of reducing that, then that's a, a huge benefit to the client. And Alistair will have a number of clients who will come to him directly and clients who I obviously don't have anything to do with. But certainly in terms of a client that's coming through from the legal director, they're having the added value of my experience and expertise and my understanding of their business particularly and triaging the matter and packaging up the litigation in a way which will make a lot more sense to Alistair so he, him and his team can get on with it a lot better than if they're coming in into the matter completely cold. So what I'm hearing is that actually, slightly counterintuitively, it's going to help run the dispute in a more efficient way and quite possibly could save time and money. Yes, precisely, which is one of the main objectives for a client in a dispute, particularly when it gets into a, a litigation you've suddenly got a lot of uncontrolled time and spend. And the sooner you can get somebody who can get a grip of that, which is where your in-house counsel would come, the better for the business. And that's why I tend to remain in position representing the interests of the client, even whilst I have somebody like Alistair and his firm on board. And so I can continue to control that, that flow of, of work and the time and the cost and so on and the expense for the client's benefit. So Alistair, coming to you as somebody who's right on the front line in the disputes that you're dealing with, could you give me some examples of 
times where your interactions with an in-house counsel have made the litigation process and the dispute that you've been managing more efficient or more effective? Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with what Jason said. A key theme is that when I need to get involved in a dispute, I need to get under the bonnet of the problem. I need to understand what legal issues are at play very often, what the relevant contract terms are. But I also need to understand the business and the specific issues that have cropped up. Now, that's not always an easy process. It can involve collating a lot of documents, speaking to different people within the business. And all of this is a distraction from what the business wants to do. The reality is having someone like Jason involved is priceless to that process. The knowledge and expertise that they can bring to the table really help shortcut the process. It reduces time. It therefore reduces cost. I'll also give it an example, I think, where we can work quite seamlessly together. And that's in the field of shareholder disputes. Now, very often shareholder disputes will creep up over time and a legal director can help solve the vast majority of those situations before it ever needs to come to me. If it does need to come to me, then I will need to get involved. To some extent, we'll need to run the dispute at least to a point at which we can get to a situation where everyone has a consensus on the way forward. That will often involve either redrawing of the way business is done between shareholders or someone buying out someone from the business. And at that point, we can very much hand back over to the consultant to deal with the legal paperwork that needs to go alongside that. Stepping back and taking a slightly more general view of this, what sort of problems can arise if a CEO or an FD takes that attitude that they don't want to get lawyers involved in a dispute early enough? So one of the reasons for early engagement of a, a lawyer, I'd be it either myself if they're a client of mine or, or with Alistair, is compliance with a particular notice period or a uh, time requirement. For example, with court proceedings, once a claim form has been issued and served on the party, that starts a clock running in terms of the response time. If that response time is, expires, then there's a default options that could be open to the claiming party, which is very difficult to undo unless there's a very good reason. Breach of contract claims the same. There could be prescribed in the contract a period of time in which a claim has to be brought or certain requirements to bring a claim, etc., which are sometimes overlooked by a business client. All very good reasons for early engagement. So as soon as the first letter of claim comes in or any intimation of a dispute, the sooner you get a lawyer to look at it. And with either an existing or a new client, there's no charge for that initial look just to let them know we need to deal with this straight away or the time for dealing with this has already passed, which does happen quite often. Or, yeah, we're good. You've got a couple of weeks before you have to do anything so you can go away and have a think about what you want to do very good reasons for early engagement and no real reason not to get a lawyer involved as soon as you become aware of a dispute or a potential dispute arising. Yeah, I, I think, Ed, from my perspective, I probably can't stress enough that the key to keeping down legal costs and resolving disputes early is to seek early inputs. And that doesn't necessarily need to cost money. It can sometimes just be some early strategic input that will help a client get on the front foot from the outset. But in terms of risks, you know, there are some scenarios where delay or the wrong decision can seriously prejudice a client's position. And I'll give a couple of examples. One is where you've got live contract situations. So there's been a breach, but the contract is still live. The client will need to make decisions around 
Do they want to get the contract back on track or do they want to terminate? There are some real missteps that can be made in that scenario. If you want to get the contract back on track, that could involve some negotiation. The issue you've got there is that if you do have a right to terminate, you can lose that right over time if you don't act quickly enough. Equally from the other side of the fence, if you want to terminate, then great care needs to be taken over that because if you're looking to exercise a contractual right to terminate or broader rights under the general law to terminate, you need to get that right. If you don't get it right and you seek to terminate, you're often then deemed the party who's in breach and can expose yourself to a damages claim. So there's a real benefit to those live contracts situations to to getting input from a specialist. A second scenario, I think, is where there's threats to the business. That might be because a competitor is taking advantage of your intellectual property or your goodwill, or perhaps former employees breaching covenants. There's an immediate threat to the business that's ongoing. Now, you're going to want to act quickly to deal with that situation, you know, two principal reasons. Firstly, you want it to stop. But secondarily, your primary remedy in that situation is going to be an injunction, or at least a threat of an injunction. Injunctions are discretionary remedies. And one of the key things that you need to show if you want a judge to give you an injunction is that you've acted very promptly on it. So again, delay can potentially lead to you losing that very valuable right to stop someone threatening your business. I think those are great points, Alistair, and I've certainly seen both of those in practice over the years where somebody who was the wronged party lost an effective remedy by not acting quickly enough. And on the flip side, I've seen businesses who kind of had the upper hand, again, they were the wrong party, but were too aggressive and sought to terminate in circumstances where they didn't really have the right to do that and uh, kind of flip the whole thing on its head and put themselves in a much worse position, you know, but for a conversation with yourself or with Jason that might have only taken half an hour, they would have kept themselves in that much stronger position. So finally, I just want to, there's been a lot in the press recently about the wheels of, of the litigation system grinding very slowly at the moment. What sort of problems are you seeing in the litigation system at the moment? And how are you advising your clients to manage those and and mitigate those? I think, funnily enough, Ed, there's always been problems with the legal system. Certainly, time periods have extended since COVID and the court system isn't back on track yet. But as I say, there have always been problems with the legal system. It's very inefficient. It's very expensive. Oddly, I think those inefficiencies help get cases resolved more quickly. Um, you know, if you're in a dispute scenario, businesses on both sides of the table have got better things to do with their time and money than litigate. And that creates incentives, I think, to find a sensible compromise sooner rather than later. And our job really is to help guide clients to get to that position as quickly as they can. One thing I have seen since COVID is a real uptick in shareholder disputes, particularly in SME businesses. It's been a very stressful time for businesses for a good number of years now, not just because of the pandemic. And I think that strain has really started to show in relationships between key stakeholders. I would also add that there are some good things, I think, that have come from the pandemic. Businesses, I think, have had a good experience of working through problems themselves. I don't know about you, Jason, but we had a flurry of inquiries in the early days of COVID asking how force majeure clauses worked where businesses, often really through no fault of their own, were struggling to fulfil contracts. Their workforces had been compromised. They couldn't get materials. 
And I think a lot of litigators were expecting to see a flurry of disputes come off the back of that. And actually what happened was businesses worked through those problems and actually we didn't see that flurry of litigation. So I think businesses have had good experience of problem solving without needing to go to lawyers. I also think another good thing to come from COVID, like in most walks of life, the virtual world has imposed itself on law. Courts will regularly now have virtual hearings and in the realms of mediation, you know, virtual mediation is a very commonplace now. The process of mediation, which used to be a full day where people were sucked away from their business, well, actually, you can dip in and out of a mediation now and you can keep going with the day-to-day business when you're not needed on the screen. From your caseload, Alistair, are you seeing more of the cases that you're dealing with going through successful mediations? I think we're seeing more cases successfully resolving through a variety of methods. And very often that's just through good old-fashioned negotiation. A mediation is just one of those tools that we can use. The reality is, you know, mediation can be quite expensive of itself. So it wouldn't be the go-to solution in, in every case. But I think businesses are finding ways to resolve problems and mediation is just one of the ways in which they can do that. I guess the the cost of taking something all the way through a process to arbitration or, or to court and the timescales involved are a driver, aren't they, for people to concentrate and really look for those creative solutions that you can help them with? Well, massively, Ed. I think that's right. The reality is less than one in 10 of cases we deal with ever go into any formal court process. As I say, SME businesses have got better things to do than litigate. So they are open to finding creative solutions. And if you're not into a court process, very often you don't need something as formal as a mediation. Simple negotiation is usually the best way to sort these problems out. Yeah, I'll just pick it up on your last point about the downsides of litigation is the time and the cost involved. But also, I think uh, another word which a lot of businesses hate is the uncertainty. Once you get into that litigation process, although we can manage the process as required by the rules, we have no guarantee as lawyers as to the outcome. And one of the uncertain things about any litigation process, and a good example I had a few weeks ago, was a dispute which arose in January 2022. A claim wasn't issued for various reasons till August 22. We didn't have the first hearing on it until just a few weeks ago. Um, which was just a hearing just to tell the judge what the claim was about and for him to set a timetable to bring it through to trial. And we did that. And the trial date was set for July 2024. Completely unacceptable to everybody. And in fact, the judge mentioned himself and apologised. But because of the pressure on the, the system at the moment, that was the very earliest date they had available in the diary to listen to the dispute. And I hear that more and more often. And that's if you like, something that Alistair and I can bring in terms of the added value to businesses is our working experience day-to-day of dealing with the various court systems, the civil justice system, employment tribunals, and so on, because we're at the, the coal face of those. And if there's any good reason you want to try and settle, which is what we would always try and promote, it's the uncertainty of being stuck in a, a system which you have no control over and one which frankly, will waste a huge amount of time, a huge amount of cost, and then have an uncertain outcome. And I think for any business, that's not how you want to be running your activities. Client's perception, if you like, anybody's perception, I think, of litigation is, oh, it's expensive. Well, it is. (laughs) Um, 
Alistair and I are not here to go out of our way to increase a client's cost. If anything, we're the polar opposite. We're, we're always trying to find a way to keep their costs down. Thank you both. So if you were talking to a finance director or a CEO, what would be your, your three key tips for them about how they should be dealing with disputes in their business? My first one is always early engagement. Don't let any sort of dispute fester for too long. The longer it's sat on a director's desk, it will only, in my experience, only ever get worse. And it might be a quick call to your lawyer, me or Alistair, and we're like, actually, that's not as bad as you think, because I think we could possibly do this, but there's this solution and, and so on and so forth. So early engagement. I think you're absolutely right, Jason. If it blows up, get early advice. Even beyond that, I would say my top tip would be the best way to avoid speaking to someone like me is to speak to someone like Jason. If you get the right contracts and processes in place in the first place, it will reduce the likelihood of disputes cropping up. And it's not just about getting the right words on a page, but actually I think a good general counsel will help shape general business strategy. Final tip I would give Ed is always look for a solution. However strongly you feel about the situation, going to court has got to be considered the very last resort. I always say that to to my clients particularly those who might be a little bit gung-ho, right, I want to see them in court. Well, I say, well, just step back and have to think about that. Seeing them in court is going to cost you a lot of money. It will suck up a huge amount of your time. And we'll be having this conversation in a year or two years' time when we're still waiting to have that day in court. Thank you. Great conversation. That brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our discussion today, you can subscribe to our monthly TLD talks covering a wide range of legal and management topics. You'll find details on our website, www.thelegaldirector.co.uk. And you can also find us on Apple, Spotify and Google. If you'd like to know more about any aspects of the work of the legal director, then do please call on 020-3053-8613 or visit our website.